the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a wonderful show for you tonight. But I do have to say a little bit of disclosure. Our first guest is somebody I am familiar with because I've watched him on Fox News for many, many years. So I don't know how Larry gets these rock star guests, but we have another one here tonight. Larry, who's on the line? Right. From the front lines in Iraq and Afghanistan, to the base of the burning Twin Towers on 9-11, veteran correspondent Rick Leventhal has pretty much seen it all. Rick has just come out with a new book titled Chasing Catastrophe. My 35 years covering wars, hurricanes, terror attacks, and other breaking news that chronicles some of Rick's most amazing stories he's covered as a news reporter, anchor, and senior correspondent at the Fox News Channel. And we're fortunate enough to have Rick with us tonight to discuss his new book. Thank you, Rick, for joining us this evening. Thank you, Larry and Dr. Wendy. It's a real pleasure and honor to be here. Hey, Rick, so um, I've been on your station, your X station, many times on Fox News, but never covering the heavy-hitting topics that you cover. I mean, you really just, just absolutely cover all the most important things. But I do have to say, I'm also interested sort of in a little bit of um, trivia. I know you're happily married to the former Kelly Dodd, best known from yeah. Bravo's TV's The Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, I, I just want to know, how did the two of you meet? <laughs> Um, we actually met at my summer house in West Hampton, New York, when I was still living and working out of New York City. I had a party for July 4th weekend, and randomly, Kelly was in the Hamptons visiting her friend Ramona Singer, who was on the New York Housewives show. And they were out the night before my party and ran into a good buddy of mine, Ron Duguay, who's a former New York Ranger. And I'm not trying to name drop, but that's how the story went, that Ron Duguay kind of hooked up with Kelly's friend Ramona and wound up back at their house. And the next morning, and this story, I believe, is in my book. I don't know how much detail I go into, but the next morning, Ron is coming to my house. And Ramona really liked him and said, hey, Kelly, we're going to this guy Rick Leventhal's party in West Hampton. And Kelly had all these other big parties at nice, much nicer homes, because mine was pretty modest and in the wrong direction. She's like, why are we going to West Hampton? I want to go to East Hampton and Montauk. I have great parties lined up. Ramona insisted. So Kelly was kind of kicking and screaming the whole way. But the minute she got to my house and I saw her, it was like uh, thunderstruck. You know, it was like that scene from uh. Godfather when, uh, when he sees the uh, that beautiful woman in, in, in Italy. Anyway, we hit it off. We talked for about 15, 20 minutes and exchanged Instagram accounts. 
and started texting and DMing each other. And one thing led to another. Nice. Well, hey, Rick, over the many years of covering news events, and I've seen you on the news many, many times, you do such great coverage, you're remarkable, and you just report the facts without any political spin. But uh, in my opinion, at least, I think a lot of other news networks do have bias. Do you think that's so? And if so, how do we fix that? I don't know if it can be fixed at this point. It was never like that before. Of course, when we were growing up, you know, you had ABC, NBC, CBS, and they gave you the news every night, and it was pretty straightforward. And now people watch the network that they think reflects their own values and political beliefs, so they don't even want to hear, in many cases, the other side. And they're getting, what I guess, what they want, and it's mixed in with a lot of opinion that, again, sort of mirrors perhaps their own political leanings. And so we've sort of gotten into this fractured situation in the news business, and it, it bothers me. It always did. And I've thought that opinion should be somewhere else and news should be uh, news should be pure. And my goal whenever I went out to cover a story was to tell it as as factually and as compellingly and and real, realistically. You know, I wanted to keep it real. That was my goal always. And I'm proud of the work I did for Fox News Channel and in local news before that. And I'm proud of this book because I really do sort of lay out in in many chapters how i got where i got to get to that story and what it took to put the the live shots together and the the sources and and the behind the scenes stuff that i think anyone any budding journalist or even anyone interested in current events or breaking news i think will get a real kick out of it you know you've covered so many major catastrophes around the world personally i wonder do you have a most terrifying moment yeah well probably when we drove into an ambush in Iraq, when I was embedded with the 3rd LAR Marines, oh. the whole battalion was heading north toward the Tigris River, and it was almost nightfall, and we hadn't driven at night like that before. But we were trying to reach an objective, and there was an ambush waiting for us with hundreds of enemy fighters popping up from behind sand dunes like whack-a-moles, as it was described wow. to me by some of the gunners on some of these LAVs. And, it was a full-on firefight for 45 minutes, and, and I heard it start way up at the front of the convoy, and then it just started making its way back until the weapons in our vehicle were like, bah, 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 bah. I mean, <sighs> full-on fire. And it was frightening because, you know, Christian Galdavini, my cameraman, and I, we didn't have weapons. He had a camera, and every once in a while he tried to stick up and get some shots, but, you know, it, it's dangerous. And fortunately, none of the Marines were wounded, seriously wounded, and they, they did kill dozens of enemy fighters, and... Uh, it was uh, it's it's part of the book. It's it's a it was a very, very scary moment. I have some other scary moments, including uh, in the hurricane chapter when I thought I might die during Hurricane Hugo, for example. Wow. Uh, it, it was one of the wow. things I loved about the job, actually, was being at the front lines, being where the where the action was or where the danger was and being able to report on it so that other people didn't have to put themselves in harm's way. Well, Rick, you were on the front lines of the 9-11 terror attack. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, you were right there. Did covering that type of an event affect you personally? Oh, 100%, Larry. I, I, I still get chills when I think about it, when I talk about it. Anytime I see video from that day. And I did save, I was able to save a one-hour-long videotape that was recorded in the satellite truck of our feed. So everything that we saw, all the interviews I did, the four minutes that the engineer and I were alone in the truck when the first tower fell and we escaped the dust cloud, all of that was recorded. I was able to transcribe it and put it in the book. And 
it's never been told before that the conversations we had and the and the confusion and the 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 sheer uh, just terror and and uncertainty. It was the worst day by far and the greatest test I've ever had as a journalist to try and remain composed and report on what was happening around me when it was nothing but chaos and confusion. And, you know, this was all happening in my hometown. It was really scary and really awful. Um, But I am, again, proud of the work that we did that day because we were able to, you know, stay live and tell our viewers, show our viewers what was happening. In fact, as I understand it, we were the only ones live when the, when the tower, first tower fell. We were the, we were the oh. only network that had wow. a camera down there. And so every network, it was, it was a free use situation, every, fair use. Everyone could use our signal. And I was told that every TV monitor in the L.A. newsroom of every other network had our feed on it at one time. So wow. like 13 oh. channels carrying our coverage of 9-11 from ground zero. How do people get a copy of your book? And don't you and your beautiful wife also have a podcast? We do. Thank you so much for asking. We do the Daily Smash on YouTube. It's it's free for viewers. Um, we do just sort of our lifestyle, fun videos from around town, um, crazy stories. And then we do like, you know, news items that we think are funny. That's every day on, on YouTube, the Daily Smash on the Rick and Kelly Show channel. But we also have the Rick and Kelly Show podcast on Patreon.com. And it's a subscription-based mm. show, but there's a free seven-day trial. So you can sign up and try, check it out. We just did one this week. I think it's our 77th episode. And I'm very proud of the work we do. Like, it's really fun working with my with my wife. I, I absolutely love it. And I'm doing stuff that I never would have done for Fox News Channel or any other network. You know, we can talk about just, you know, gossip and housewife stuff and just random things. And I can share my opinions, which I love doing. And that's the thing about Patreon. It's uncensored and unfiltered. But um, we do that every day. And we just started a pickleball line. So our website, we think it's going up this weekend, pickleballpartytown.store. We're selling paddles and balls, and we're going to expand from there. We, we love pickleball. We built a court in the backyard of our house in Palm Desert that we just got renovated. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a passion of ours doing that. Well, I, Oh, and you have to get the book. It's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, but I think so I, at least some of the Barnes & Nobles do carry the book. I didn't know this. Like, it's not automatic when you write a book that every bookstore just has it on the shelf. A lot of these, you know, you, you have to ask for it. Like the bookstores have to request it and order it. So it's in some bookstores, but it's definitely available online. And I encourage people to check it out. Well, hey, Rick, uh, why, why, what encouraged you to retire? I mean, I, I expected to turn on Fox News and still see you being there. But I guess you're retired now, right? Why did you well, decide I, to? I was I was there for 24 years. OK. And wow. It was a long time. I was eight contracts, eight three year contracts. And towards the end, I was just, I, I'm going to be honest, I was kind of burnt out. And the, the, the idea of doing another three years of any time anything happened, my, my phone's going to ring or I'm going to get a text or an email. We need you to go to Detroit or, or Texas or to the border or Ukraine. And I'm, I'm just sort of at the point in my life where very happily married, loving our, our life here in Newport Beach, California. I didn't want to have to leave town on a moment's notice for a day, a week or a month at a time. It just I just I would have I would have stayed in anchored, but they didn't have a slot for me. So they were very kind yeah. to me on the, way out the door. And I gave me some time to just sort of relax and enjoy a step away for a bit and write my book. 
And listen, thank if there's a network so that wants to hire me as, a, as an anchor man, I, I still got I still got the chops. I can do it. You know? I know you do. We got a hard break coming, which I know you're very familiar with, but we want to thank you so much. I'm going to follow up with you afterwards, too. This has been such a pleasure having you on. Thank to you very much. listeners, we need to take a short commercial break, but don't touch that dial. We have another amazing segment. When we return, we will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a fabulous guest for the second half. Fascinating personality. Larry, who do we have on the line? Hey, yes, Wendy. Kenneth Raposa is an industry analyst from the Coalition for a Prosperous America, former staff foreign uh, correspondent for the Wall Street Journal and a senior contributor to Forbes covering China since 2011. Thank you for joining us on the program this evening, Ken. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, Ken, before working at Forbes, uh, I know you were a correspondent for the Wall Street Journal in Brazil. What was that like? Were there language barriers? Was it culture shock, or was everything just like it is here in terms of journalism? No, well, it wasn't. It wasn't, and the reason why it wasn't is because my last name is Raposa, so I'm a descendant. I'm Portuguese descendant uh, from Southern Massachusetts. Wow. So where I grew up, uh, Portuguese grandparents, Portuguese <laughs> food. Of course, Brazil being a former Portuguese colony, so I felt very much at home. There, of course, I'm 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 very much American, born and raised in the United States. So there were things that were very different that took a little while getting used to, but. It wasn't like I was, you know, from Sweden or something like that. You know, it would be totally different culturally. And I spoke the language. Well, hey, hey, Kenneth, I I know that you're an expert on China. So I wanted to get your take on this. What's the significance of China successfully flying a spy balloon over the continental U.S.? Should we be worried about China, what they did? Or should we be concerned about our response, our timid and weak response to it? Okay. We should definitely worry about China for what they did. Let's just let's play devil's advocate and pretend that it was a, you know, a weather balloon, right, which is what they said it was, and that it blew off course. It's hard to it's hard to get it back. Okay. If you said that, if 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 that's the case, then I, I think we heard the Pentagon say or someone say that we've also spotted these in the past nearby. So it seems that they're playing with us and you know, they, they, they could have even offered an apology right away and say, Hey guys, I got bad news. You know, uh, we got a balloon that's off course. So it's not what you think it is. You can blow it up if you want, we're sorry. You know, whatever. That's what that's that would have been perhaps the, the best case scenario if China was telling the truth that it was just a, a balloon studying climate change, right? Which is what they love to their favorite thing to do to placate the West is to talk climate change. On the other side of assuming that it was a surveillance balloon, as the US government says it was, and they're looking at parts of it now, and they will decide what those parts were and what was on the plane, and then that'll be classified before they reveal it to Congress, and we know about it, unless something leaks out uh, of of, uh, the intelligence community and State Department. We should be worried about it, because it shows that China is really held at a different standard. And what do I mean by that? Here it is, really easy. Let's pretend that was a Russian balloon. 
what do you think would have happened if that was a Russian balloon that was found floating off the Aleutian Islands in Alaska? Well, I could, I could pretty much tell you what would happen. It would have been blown out of the sky. Generals who have been on TV talking about how great the situation was. Biden would have come on looking all gr- sad, talking about how great the situation was. Every nation in Europe would have been on the phone talking about coordinated sanctions against Russia. Oil prices would have gone up $10, and your gasoline prices that just came down about 50 cents in the last three weeks would be right back up to 50 cents, up 50 cents higher than where they were the night before. That's what would happen. So the reason why we have this perception, which is a true perception, a good perception to have, because it's based in fact that we have a kid glove approach to China. I have two reasons for why I think that is, okay? Uh, on one, on the Pentagon side is we're very fine with poking Russia. We're very fine with doing that, which makes, which is very odd because Russia has a, a superior military compared to China. Russia has a history of fighting the West and beating them. Remember, they, the Russians did lose millions of people and fought the Nazis and beat the Russians, uh, beat the Nazis. So, you know, they, they know how to fight Western armies. Right. Okay. But we poke them. We're not, we're not afraid. Why are we so worried about China? Why are we so afraid to hurt their feelings? Why was, why was General Milley talking to China when Trump was president and saying, hey, don't listen to this guy. He's a crazy person. He's I remember. I remember that. I couldn't believe why, it. Why do we do that? Exactly. Why do we do that? We do that because the United States industrial base, the defense industrial base of the United States, is so dependent on China that if they were to do were to saber rattle seriously with China, they know that China would say, okay, well, well we're not going to sell you this rare earth to make that, that you need to make that um, navigation equipment for your new stealth bomber. We're not going to sell you this widget that you need to make your submarines. We're not going to sell you this piece of electronics that you need for that, that uh, you know, the, the F-15. And so the Pentagon right now, and of course the United States uh, Congress, is scrambling to get supply chains out of China and figure out what to do with it. And, and they haven't really figured it out yet. They're trying to make more of it in the United States. They're trying to do this thing called French shoring, whatever that, whatever that means. That basically right. means every country minus China, Iran, Russia, Cuba, and North Korea, I, I guess. That's, that's probably what French shoring really means. Hey, Ken, and so the reason you know, why they don't pull them is because of that. Where can our listeners find out more about your organization, Coalition for a Prosperous America? Sure. So you can go to our website, prosperousamerica.org, and we are a combo think tank and advocacy firm, and we advocate for the mostly companies that manufacture goods in the United States in the middle of the supply chain. So it'll be companies that make stuff for Walmart or make stuff for Boeing, for example. So we're not advocating for Boeing uh, because they're a big globalist corporation, but we're advocating for the companies that make stuff for Boeing and are dependent on Boeing to make sure that Boeing doesn't say, eh, we're not going to have Wendy and Larry make it in, you know, <laughs> San Diego. We're going to have them, we're going to have, uh, you know, someone else make it in Mexico instead, you know. So that's who we advocate for. That's our, that's our and butter. That's great. Hey, I, I, I think I've read some articles on this where uh, you've written about the World Economic Forum, and that's a big concern of mine. Do we need as a nation to be concerned about the World Economic Forum, you know, Klaus Schwab and his gang, as they push towards a great reset, a one world government? What do you think? Well, the World Economic Forum back in the early 2000s, I remember, was a quite Quite an event, right? Everyone wanted to go to the World Economic Forum. Uh, it was a, 
you know, I remember when I was working for the Journal in, in Brazil, I, the World Economic Forum was expanding, and they had the World Economic Forum Rio version, and I think they even have the World Economic Forum, maybe Singapore, Asia version, you know? And so I remember even going to the World Economic Forum in Rio, and it was, it was I mean, it was just the, it was like the Oscars of big business and politics, really. Every, everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. And then what happened, I think, maybe in the mid-2000s, after 2010 or so, people started to look at it in a different way, and it became more obvious that what this really is is a, is a Western influence peddling operation, basically. They infiltrate all governments. They infiltrate media with their, you know, it's like a mind virus, right? They tell you how to think. And, and you sort of, you have the Davos way, right? There's the Davos way. You know, look at Europe. Europe is, is you know, engulfed in, in the Davos way, and Europeans have been protesting against it uh, somewhat successfully for the last, you know, several, several months, several, several years, rather, certainly, uh, with, with COVID restrictions and so on. So, yeah, I think it's something that we have to watch. I think a lot of people are watching it, and Davos has had so much mud slung on it now that I think that it's, you know, it, it's now it's out of the out of the closet, you know, that they are an influence peddling operation, that they are up to no good in many ways, and that some, no, no, they're up to no good, right? But the things that they promote aren't things that people necessarily want, you know? So I could talk about the Great Reset, if you want, and how I, how I, and that's a big topic. I know everybody's been written books about this, you know, but I could, I could give you what I think the Great Reset is in, in a summary if you, if you want it. You know, Ken, I think some of our listeners are also curious about the whole TikTok fiasco and how dangerous you think that is. Do you have an opinion there? So TikTok, yeah, my daughter's on TikTok. It's, it's annoying. Um, how <laughs> dangerous. Well, I know that Congress has said that they want to ban TikTok on, you know, if, you're, if you work in politics, if you're a government official, you shouldn't have TikTok have on your phone. It. I'm pretty sure that's even a law. I think they that might have be the case. It, right. They're working on it. Yeah, they have done it. Is it a spy thing? I don't know if it's a spy thing necessarily, but what it would be, though, and, and it, you know, let's, let's put it in, in two ways, right? Think of it as a, in one, let's think of it in practical sense, right? So if you're a ByteDance, which is the owner of TikTok, you're collecting all this data, right? You're collecting all this data, including from American users, facial recognition, whatever it may be, and you can use that data to make better facial recognition software that you can sell to companies that make that, including high-tech military surveillance companies that make equipment for facial recognition to put us all in this crazy minority report world that you know China currently lives in. That comes from data. That comes from source from, from companies like ByteDance that own TikTok. Okay. On the other, so that's one thing that that it's used for. Just a massive data collection, right? So ByteDance itself probably isn't really up to no good. I don't know, but the data that they have is certainly sold off to companies who are making things that you and I would would not want. Um, on the other side, you could say that because every company in China is tied to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, we could argue that there is something in there with the algorithm that would say, let's promote junk and trash and toxicity to the American youth, you know, to <laughs> Americans in general, something that we're never going to promote in China, right? We're not going to promote people. We, we promote teenagers in China, you know, playing soccer or playing the violin or whatever, right? And in the United States, we promote all sorts of toxic cultural garbage. So, you know, I, I could see that being a weapon against against China, but then again, I, I, I'm a weapon against the United States from from China as a part of a intel psyop. But I never, I will never overestimate or underestimate, you know, the American cultural, you know, propensity for just 
doing and, and being interested in garbage. So, you know, maybe maybe that's just us. <laughs> for, for some strange reason, we, we like sort of the stuff that get gets put on TikTok, and it's not something that you know, the algorithms are pushing on us, so to speak. So, Ken, we, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but how do we compete against China? Uh, I, we, we have like 30 seconds. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that. Like 30 seconds. Sure. Wendy Sherman, the number two of the State Department. I got it. Wendy Sherman, the number two person at the State Department, just said there's only one way to do it. You invest, you align with allies, and you, and you have to compete with China on that way by investing in your own country. Wow, you really did just tie that up with a bow. Thank you so much for joining us, and our listeners very much enjoyed it, no doubt. Thank you, Ken. That was great. Our listeners have a wonderful, safe weekend. Join us next week for more Today with Dr. Wendy, headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.